This is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church greeting you. The warm-hearted church with the heartwarming message, the family church. In light of the coronavirus pandemic, we will be bringing you a special service. Sing with us, pray with us, and follow the message in God's Word. The choir will open our service by singing, Peace Like a River. Now have Buddy Hand playing on the trumpet, Blessed Assurance.
And now Andrea Greenleaf will come and sing How Great Thou Art.
Here is Nancy McClellan playing Great Is Thy Faithfulness on the Piano. I want to thank all of our musicians and singers for providing us with such beautiful Christ-centered music tonight. And I pray that that music during this time of pandemic will encourage you in the Lord and provide that peace and comfort. Romans chapter 13, verse 11. 
And that knowing the time, that it is now high time to wake out of sleep, and now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The word time is defined as a point at which or period during which things happen. Hour of the day, an appropriate season or moment, opportunity, duration, an interval, a period in the past. And this evening I want to talk about knowing the time. Here are some famous quotes on time. Benjamin Franklin said, Lost time is never found again. He also said, Waste neither time nor money, but make the best use of both. William Penn said, Time is what we want most, but what we use worst. Do you know the Word of God has a great deal to say about time? The word time, and times plural, appears some 766 times in the Bible. The word time and times appear in 38 of the 39 Old Testament books. The only Old Testament book which does not contain time or times is the book of Obadiah. The word time and times appears in 24 of the 27 New Testament books. The only New Testament books which do not contain time or times is Philippians and 2nd and 3rd John. So we're going to study just a few of these occurrences of time in the Bible before we return to our main text, Romans chapter 13, verse 11. Ecclesiasticals, chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. The word time appears 29 times. There's a time for everything. And remember the whole thing about Ecclesiastes, written by God through King Solomon, is vanity of vanities. In fact, the song... Turn, Turn, which was written by Pete Seeger in the late 1950s. Turn, Turn lyrics were almost taken for verbatim from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 through 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, To everything there's a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time was come... God sent forth his son made of a woman made under law. At God's appointed time, at the perfect time, the Lord Jesus Christ was born. The timing of Christ's birth was perfectly synchronized with Old Testament prophecies. In the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel has a lot to say about time. He speaks of time, times, dividing or half of times. He speaks of time at the end. He speaks of that time. He speaks of a time of trouble, which is a reference to the great tribulation. Daniel 7.25 And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand unto a time and times and dividing of times. Some of the other verses of Scripture which speak of time. Romans chapter 5, verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. If you'll turn back to Romans chapter 13, I'd like to read verse 11 through verse 14. Time in the Bible can be used a prophetic time, time future, time past, and the present time. 
Romans 13, 11 through 14. And that knowing the time that is now high time to wake out of sleep, and for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The day is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Knowing the time. Do you really know what time it is? Don't turn your watches or your clocks. Don't turn to them to figure out the time. I'm not talking about the literal time of the day. We're talking about what time is it spiritually. We are living in the present dispensation of God's grace. And God is not reckoning time by Daniel's standards, nor by any prophetic standards. We're not in the 70th week of Daniel. That's still future. This is not time and times and dividing of times. This is not the thousand-year millennial kingdom reign of Christ. We are living in the present dispensation of grace. And Romans 13.11 tells us, indicates to us, that our salvation is nearer than when we believed. Here, salvation is not a reference to our justification, which is past but the future glorification of these earthly bodies. Every minute, every day, every week, every year we live, we are either closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blessed hope, or closer to our own physical death and going home to be with the Lord. Now is the completion of our salvation nearer to us than we first trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 14 to verse 17. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. It is high time to awake out of sleep. It is high time for believers not to be sleeping but living for Lord Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking or asking, what does Ephesians 5.14 really mean? What is the context? What is the correct interpretation of Ephesians 5.14? What is meant by the words, Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light? Who are the words being directed towards? Are these words directed toward the saved individuals, the believers? Or these words being directed toward the unsaved non-believers? Some believe and teach that these words are directed toward the unsaved. And that the Apostle Paul is extending an invitation to them for salvation. Others would understand that these words are being directed only to saved individuals. One Bible teacher believes the words, Thou that sleepeth, is directed to the saved, while the words arise from the dead is directed to the unsaved. Personally, I believe the words, Awake thou that sleepeth and arise from the dead, are directed to saved individuals who are members of the church, the body of Christ, and not to the unsaved. The unsaved message is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I will explain the words, Sleepeth from the dead, and how these are directed to believers and not to the unsaved, not to the non-believers. 
As I said, God's message to the unsaved and non-believers is very plain. It's very clear. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And God does not give them the gift of faith to believe, but rather the individual simply believes in response to the gospel by faith. And the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. What's the context of Ephesians 5, 14 to 18? Here's a simple outline of Ephesians chapter 1 to the 6th chapter. In Ephesians chapter 1 through the 3rd chapter, you really have the wealth of the believer. Then beginning in Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6, 9, you have the walk of the believer. And then Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to the end of the chapter, verse 24, you have the warfare of the believer. Ephesians 5, 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly. The word circumspectly means carefully, cautiously. Literally, you're to wake and to arise and then walk circumspectly. How could the words awake and arise to be understood to mean to the unbeliever? The word death means separation. The word death does not mean annihilation or soul sleep. And remember, there are three basic types of death in the Bible. There's physical death, there's spiritual death, and then there's a second death or the eternal death. Physical death is the death of the body. Death means separation. And it does not mean soul sleep or annihilation. Physical death is the separation of the immaterial. Remember, we're body, we're soul, we're spirit. It's the separation of the immaterial, the spirit and the soul from the material body. Physical death knows no age, nor race, or social boundaries. As all mankind have been appointed to die once, There are those who believe in healing and try to heal the body. But this is an earthly, terrestrial body. It's a mortal body. It's subject to death. When Lazarus was raised from the dead by Lord Jesus Christ, Lazarus simply re-entered his physical body. Since he did not receive a new or glorified body, Lazarus later died again. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 5. In verse 1, in the book of the generations of Adam, in the day that God created man, in the likeness of God may he him. Then drop down to verse 3. And Adam lived 130 years, and he begot a son in his own likeness after his image, and he called his name Seth. Verse 4. And the days of Adam after he begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begot sons and daughters. Listen to verse 5. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Genesis 5. The death battle is ringing. It's tolling. Genesis 5 is describing physical death. These individuals lived so many years, they had children, and then these individuals died. That's physical death. Now let's talk about spiritual death. Spiritual death is a spiritual separation from God. And there are two clear biblical examples of spiritual death. God told Adam, that the day that he ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he would surely die, Genesis 2.17. We know that first Eve ate, and then Adam ate of the fruit of the tree. And according to Genesis 5.5, we read where Adam lived to be 930 years old. And that's literal years. What life of Adam? Did not God mean what he meant when he told Adam about dying? The answer is absolutely yes. 
God is not referring to physical death, but to a spiritual death. Read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. God, through Paul, wrote to the Ephesians and stated that they were dead, yet they were walking and living according to the course of this world. How can a physically dead person be walking and living? He was referring to the Ephesians who were spiritually dead, but now they've been made alive. Spiritual death is the spiritual condition of man before God. Man who is spiritually dead is separated from eternal life of God. Ephesians 4.18 The spiritual condition was not determined by personal sins, but rather it's by our nature. It's by our birth. We're born sinners. Therefore, we're born spiritually dead to God. And how can a person who is born spiritually dead to God be made alive? We can only be made alive by faith in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. The very gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, Christ died for the sins of the world. And through our faith in the finished work of the cross, there's eternal life in Christ. Salvation is by grace alone through man's faith, believing and trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. Ephesians 4, 18 says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And the third death is the second death or the eternal death. The second death is the final and eternal separation of all the unsaved people from God. If a person who is spiritually dead then dies physically, that person will be eternally separated from God. And this is the second or the eternal death. The term second death does not mean that a person can or will experience a third or a fourth death. The second death will be experienced in a state of consciousness, suffering in the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the eternal hell in the final state of the unsaved. Remember, the second death is not annihilation. Compare Revelation 19, verse 20 with Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. The beast and the false prophet, after a thousand years of suffering, they're still there, and they're still suffering torment, and have not been either annihilated or destroyed. The unsaved person will not be promoted to heaven after spending some time suffering in the lake of fire, as there is no salvation in the lake of fire. There's no purgatory. The doctrine of purgatory is absolutely unscriptural. If a man could purge himself from his sins, then why did the Lord Jesus Christ come into this world to die for the sins of the whole world? His death would be in vain if a purgatory truly existed. Revelation chapter 20, verse 14, verse 15, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, if you turn back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, verse 14 says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Well, what about Ephesians five fourteen? The word awake, sleepeth, arise from the dead. It's not talking about a literal physical death. It's not talking about the spiritual death. It's not talking about the eternal death. See, the the direction here is not toward the unsaved. Saved believers can and do experience physical death. 
But those who are truly saved and spiritually alive in Christ will live all eternity, and they can never experience spiritual or death or the eternal death. I believe there's a fourth type of death, which describes a believer who is alive physically, alive spiritually, because he has trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. But he's become dead to the things of God, and as a result, he is not living for the Lord. Romans chapter 8, verse number 12. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. Verse 13, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Which death is Romans 8.13 referring to? Physical death. Spiritual death. The, the second death, the eternal death. If it is referring to spiritual death or the eternal death, then a person could lose his salvation. If it's a reference to physical death, then God would be judging us. Romans 8, 12, and 13 is a reference to the fourth kind of death, the fourth type of death, being dead to the things of God. This is exactly what Ephesians five fourteen is referring to when it's speaking about being dead and the command to awake and to arise. Here the Apostle Paul likens the believer to one who has been lewd to sleep to the world and by the world. Sleeping, speaking of lethargic Christian living, believers who have been already raised from the dead with Christ, Ephesians 2, 4 through 6. Believers who have been raised from the dead and they have their complete identification with Christ, Colossians 2, 20 and 3, 1. Say believers who are sleeping and they're sleeping to the things of the Lord asleep to their responsibilities, opportunities, challenges, spiritual battles, and spiritual conflicts. The sleeping believer needs to awake out of their sleep to be alert to every opportunity of life to serve our coming Lord Jesus Christ. Why are Christians sleeping at this late hour? Especially when there are spiritual battles to be fought and victories to be won for Lord Jesus Christ. The words awake and arise are both in the imperative mood, which is the command mood, and it's a present tense active voice. The present tense speaks of continuous action. The active voice means the subject of the sentence will produce the action of the verb. God is commanding all sleeping believers to awake and to arise from the sleep and to serve Him, redeeming the time. It's God's will that all men be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We as believers need to be redeeming the time. Using every opportunity to share the Lord Jesus Christ with the unsaved. The word redeeming means to buy up. It's a present tense which is continually redeemed. It is the present dispensation of grace. That's where we're living. It's time for believers to wake up out of their sleep, to stand up, to arise, and Christ will give you the light. What time is it? Remember what Romans chapter 13, verse 11 said, knowing the time. What time is it? It is time that we be, need to be committed to God's word. To the preaching of the Word of God, rightly divided, 2 Timothy 2.15. That's the only way we'll understand the Word of God, and it rightly divided. 
There's so many false doctrines out there who are attacking the very gospel, Lord Jesus Christ, who are adding things to the gospel that God never added. Salvation is by grace alone through faith. It's time that we understand the word of God rightly divided, 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself to prove that a God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We as believers need to be studying the word of God and growing in God's grace. Are you growing spiritually? Have you grown since the day of your salvation? What time is it? It's time that we have the wonderful opportunities for sharing God's grace. It's time to realize as grace believers we need to share the word of God rightly divided. What time is it? It is time for the unsaved, those who are without Christ, to respond to him by faith. They need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior before it's eternally too late. In light of the coronavirus pandemic made the unsaved turn to God for salvation and for the peace that passes all understanding. May there be a spiritual awakening in our country, in our world, through this pandemic and because of it. That's what time it is. What time is it? It is time that believers should be praying, praying for missionaries, praying for each other, praying that God would use us to his honor and glory because we're the ones who have the light of God's word. We're the ones, if we're sleeping, we need to awake and to arise in praying for our country during this pandemic, praying that there would be a spiritual awakening in our country and literally throughout the whole earth. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What time is it? It's time that all believers to pray for the open doors of opportunities to share the gospel with the unsaved, or pray for those doors of opportunities to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We should not see the adversaries or the discouragements, but the open doors of opportunities. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, For there's a great door, and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Just for a moment, consider this powerful example of the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Withal praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. He had been arrested in Jerusalem. That's Acts chapter 21. And remember, if you back up and go to Acts 20, he met with the Ephesian elders at the city of Miletus. He talked to them of a coming spiritual battle from the outside and from within, and he was talking to the leaders, the elders at the church, and they sorrowed most of all for his words that they might not see him again. I was not there. I was not, and cannot place myself in their shoes, but I think they should have sorrowed more that there was a spiritual battle coming from the outside and from the in, and they're of their own individuals, their own friends. We're going to turn away disciples to teach distorted truths. And he, and he tells them that none of these things move me. 
the trials, the tribulations. I just want to finish my course with joy. And he goes to Jerusalem. He was even discouraged by some to go there. Read, read it in Acts chapter 20 into 21. He goes to Jerusalem. And literally, the Jews, the unbelieving Jews, he's outside the temple. They shut the temple doors because they don't want to defile the temple. And they're, gonna, they're beating him up. They're going to kill him. And it's a Roman centurion who hears his uproar comes down. He doesn't know who Paul is. He's arrested there. So he'd been arrested in Jerusalem. He spent two years in prison at Jerusalem and then Caesarea because there was an assassination attempt on his life. Forty Jewish assassins were going to knock him off. And he's whisked away at night. Read this. Look, look, look what the Roman centurion, look at the guards and soldiers and horsemen who escort him ultimately to Caesarea. And then there's two years of silence from Caesarea. And then because he appealed to Caesar, he sent and transferred to Rome. And once in Rome, he will spend another two years in his own hired house, bound to a Roman soldier. And of course, during that time, God through Paul writes Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And his prayer during his first Roman imprisonment was not for a physical deliverance. It was not for better food or better accommodations. It was for the opportunities to preach the gospel of God. Go back there. Let me just reread Colossians 4, 3. With all, also praying for us, so the, the command is to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is an essential part of prayer. But with all, also praying for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance. Not the door of the jail, a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. That, to me, is so powerful. What time is it? It's time for all believers to be redeeming the times, passing out tracts, to be praying for the opportunities to be sharing the gospel. May we see those who are unsaved around us. May we share the gospel with them. May our unsaved friends and family see the peace of God within us as our country battles this pandemic. What time is it? It's time for the sleeping Christians. Ephesians 5.14 Awake thou that arise. Awake thou that sleep and that arise from the dead. And Christ is going to give you light. <clears throat> it's time for the sleeping believers to wake. To wake up out of the sleep. And to realize it is time to be totally committed to the Lord. What time is it? It's time for all believers to be living totally for the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, in the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What time is it? It's time. It's time that all believers should be demonstrating the mind of Christ. And we demonstrate the mind of Christ when we're other-centered and not self-centered. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, Look not every man his own things, but every man also in the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. 
And if you remember over in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, it begins saying that, know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And the word perilous means fierce. It means savage. It means hard to understand. And remember, 2 Timothy is the last epistle that God wrote through the Apostle Paul because he's going to meet his martyrmen. He's going to be martyred. And because he's a Roman citizen, he cannot be crucified, so he's going to be beheaded. Verse 2 says, For all, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. And some may feel that that's dealing with homosexuality. We know that homosexuality is a rise in our country and a rise throughout the whole world, but that's not what verse 2 is talking about. It's talking about men, lovers of their own selves. And if you love yourself, who are you not loving? You're not loving others. And if you're loving yourself, you're putting yourself first and you're not demonstrating the very mind of Lord Jesus Christ. And that verse of Scripture in Philippians is telling us that we should be demonstrating the mind of Christ. And how do we demonstrate the mind of Christ when we're other-centered, not self-centered? What time is it? It's time that all believers should be edifying each other. And remember, it's the word edifying means to build up to be a house builder and not tearing down. It is time to be a house builder and not a house wrecker. And I would encourage believers to reach out to your elderly neighbors or the elderly from your congregation to see if they're okay or if you can do any grocery shopping for them during this pandemic. If not, send them notes of encouragement. Ephesians 4.29 Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What time is it? It's time that all believers be attending a Bible honoring and a Bible teaching church on a regular basis and to be involved in a ministry or ministries which glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. What time is it? It's time for the body of Christ to be looking for the pre-tribulation rapture of the church, the body of Christ. Could the Lord Jesus Christ return in 2020? We're to all, <coughs> excuse me. We're always to be looking for the coming of the Lord. What time is it? It's time for all believers to put on the whole armor of God, to be engaged in spiritual battles for Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter number 6 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because what we're going on and what's going on in our country and through the world, yes, it's, it's a war. That's what the politicians are saying. That's why the national federal government is more involved that it is that is a war but also we realize and should understand yes it's a physical war but there's a spiritual battle going on there's a spiritual battle going on Satan would love to destroy churches through this and we as believers we need to make sure we understand the time and we need to put on the whole armor of God to stand against the wiles the trickery of the devil during this time what time is it? I think it's, it is time. 
And that's what that verse of Scripture is talking about in Romans, knowing that our time is closer than when we first believed. Praise God for what we have. Praise God for how God has blessed us in the Lord Jesus Christ for the salvation by grace through faith that we have. What time is it? Truly it is time for the church, the body of Christ, to stand up and to be living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Time is too precious. Time is too precious of an asset to be wasted on things that have no eternal values. We're to be keep looking up. In a calendar year, in a regular calendar year, there are 365 days. 8,760 hours. 525,600 minutes. Over 31 million seconds. 2020, we know, is a leap year. So this year, we have one extra day, an extra 24 hours, an extra 1,440 minutes, 86,400 extra seconds to be serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Think upon this song. Listen to the words of Alfred B. Smith's chorus. With eternity values in view. With eternity values in view, Lord. With eternity values in view. May I do each work for Jesus. With eternity's values in view. All believers at the same time. We have so many days. Hours. Minutes. And seconds in a day, in a month, in a year, in a given year. How do we use that time for the Lord Jesus Christ? It's God's time. Do we use our time with eternity's values in view? And certainly that's what we need to understand. And that's what we need to think upon. And certainly, as our country battles this pandemic, as I said, it no doubt... No question, it's a physical battle that we're involved in right now. But I believe there's a spiritual warfare going on as well. And if you think of that verse of Scripture, Romans chapter 13, verse number 11, that knowing the time, that now it is high time to wake out of sleep, see the instruction here is to the believer, for now is our salvation. You wouldn't say this is the unsaved, this is to the believer. Well, if Romans 13, 11 is to the believer, why isn't Ephesians 5, 14 and 15 to the believer? Those words, awake and arise, they're not being directed to the unsaved. That's not God giving them light so that they can be saved. Remember in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, it's not of works. The gift of God there is, is not faith. There are some who believe that the gift of God is, is faith. And God gives you the gift of faith to believe, therefore you're saved. Well, if you follow their chronology, you're literally saved before you believe. And that's not what Scripture tells us. We, it's very simple. If you read the words over in Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. You see, you heard it, you trusted when you hear the word of truth, you have one or two responses. 
Either you're going to believe and respond by faith alone, Lord Jesus Christ, or you're going to ignore it and say, no, I, I don't believe there's a God. I don't believe in salvation. I don't believe in eternal life. Everything's in the here and now, and there are people who believe that. If you're listening to this service, and it's your belief that there is no God or there is no eternal life, you better wake up and realize eternal life is through the Lord Jesus Christ. First John tells us, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that does not have the Son of God does not have life, but rather the wrath of God abiding on him. The only way of salvation is through Christ. There are those who would believe that life is in the here and now, and so you better put all your energy and all your effort into the here and now, because if something happens, and when it does, and it's going to happen, you don't have to worry about heaven or hell, because there is none. No, that's wrong. That's the doctrine of Satan. That, that's not God. That's not the word of God. So the unsaved, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, if you think on this question, where will your death lead you? We know. We, know, we, we understand with this pandemic, there's death. We see the numbers rising. We see how it's affected the world. And there are some who are scared. Where will your death lead you? Do you know the answer to that? If you cannot answer that, you need to realize that the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. That he came into this world, he died on the cross, and through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, you can have eternal life by simple faith. And if you look at that verse in Ephesians 1.13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And to the believer, do you realize? And that after there, please don't make that to be like a second work of grace or after like a couple days or months or after you've done something. The word after is there because you've got to believe and then you're sealed and literally, in the literal translation, the literal with the Greek language, it's literally upon your, upon your belief. Upon your belief, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's, that's grace. The very next verse of Scripture says, which, going back to the Holy Spirit of verse 13, is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. The direction there is not from you to God. It's not from man to God. It's not from a believer to God. The direction is from God to man. That's grace. God gives you the Holy Spirit as a down payment that one day he's going to redeem these bodies. That's a blessed hope. Understanding the realization. Remember what 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If you think or believe that the hope of Christ and the hope in Christ is limited and defined by the parameters of your breath in this world and only makes you a better citizen, a better husband or a better wife or a better child or a better neighbor or a better friend. That's all it is. We're in trouble. We're all men most miserable. The Christian hope looks to eternity. It looks to eternity because what the Christian hope is is a resurrection. In a few short weeks, the world will talk about Easter Sunday. It's not Easter Sunday. It's Resurrection Sunday. 
And because Christ was raised, the believers will be raised. And because the believers will be raised, Christ was raised. And we know over in Acts 17, the empty tomb is a witness to all the world that there is a coming day of judgment upon the unsaved. And they need to understand and think upon that. So this is what time it is. And maybe through this pandemic, and that's why I would encourage you to be praying as believers, but also to be praying that there might be a spiritual awakening in our country, spiritual revival, that people would turn to God. Because it's not all this world. Death occurs. Genesis 5, as I said, the death bells was ringing back then. This person lived so many years and begot children, and he lived and he died, and they died, and they died. The death bell is ringing. It's ringing today because there's physical death. Again, the word death means separation. There's physical death, spiritual death. There are people who will be alive, alive physically today who are dead spiritually to God. That's Ephesians 2. They're the walking dead. Are you one of those? Remember, when God looks at the human race, he only sees us either in Adam, the first Adam, or in Christ. There's no middle ground. So for the believer, we have a wonderful hope, wonderful understanding, realizing Romans 13 telling us, do you know what time it is? And maybe there are friends or neighbors or unsaved people that you know who are panicked over this pandemic, who who believe or think that this is Armageddon, or this is doing something like with the apocalypse, end times. No, we got to know what time it is. There's going to be judgments in the world. That's dealing with the time of trouble. That's dealing with the 70th week of Daniel. We're living in the dispensation of grace today. And we know there are no signs. We need to know what time it is as believers. We need to be living for God. And if if you're a sleeping Christian today, you need to wake up out of that sleep and allow God to give you the light and see then that you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Don't be unwise, but wise. And to be filled with the Spirit in verse 18. And what is the filling of the Spirit? God using the Word of God in our lives. Cross-reference that. I encourage you to read Colossians 3.16. That's what time it is. I hope you know what time it is. Not the physical time of the day, or the day of the week, or the year. But spiritually, what time is it? I pray that you understand that. And if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's only one message to you, and that is the message of salvation. Romans 3.22 says, Even the righteous of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, is unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Romans 3.24, being justified freely, and that same word is translated over in John, that they hated Christ without a cause. There's no cause in you that God should justify you. It's all about what Christ has done for us. Then Romans 3.28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. How are we justified? We are absolutely justified by faith. So time. Time is too precious of an asset to be wasted on things that have no eternal value. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, trust Him right now, right where you're at. Believe on Him, and God will save you. 
And for us who are believers, truly, we need to understand the time. And if you're a sleeping Christian, it is time to wake up out of sleep, to be living for Lord Jesus Christ, to be following him, to be serving him. That's what God wants. And that's what we should desire in our hearts, to be redeeming the times, because the days are evil. Put on the whole armor of God, that you can stand against the wiles and trickery of the devil. You have been listening to the Altoona Bible Church. We trust that you've received a real spiritual blessing from this service. It is our prayerful desire that you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So until we meet again by radio, this is Pastor Stuart McClellan from the Altoona Bible Church wishing you God's best for now and for all eternity.